Welcome to the Making Money in the Music Business podcast, where we share insightful views on a variety of topics in the music industry that can help you make more money from your music business. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. William E. Smith and Kenya McGuire Johnson. Hey, Kenya, we are back. Uh, Will, we're back and this is going to be our, our kind of semi, our our last podcast of, before we take a a small little summer break Mm -hmm. and boy, are we coming to an end with a bang, right? This was, this wasn't planned at all. (laughs) 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 It wasn't planned at all. Ah, but before we get into that bang, you always give us the good. So, well, I think I'll, this this one's pretty decent. Um, okay. It's basically about um, mastering services. Mm. And I know people who are recording their own projects don't know how. Some of them might not have a clue of what this is. But if you work with a producer, they know what it is. And it's basically a way to make your project sound uh, radio ready and the mastering process. So some people pay mastering services, you know, a whole lot of money. Some people pay like, you know, $200 or so. Um, there's, I, I, I've been hearing these things on the, uh, in, in the groups and, and forums and things, but there's mm-hmm. online mastering services where you can just sort of upload your track and it'll get mastered. They have algorithms to sort of listen to your track and see what, what it mm-hmm. needs in ter- terms of loudness. And mm-hmm. uh, some of them have price, basic pricing plans um, you know, $200 a year or $10 a month. And some have, you know, some actually some free services, you know, free to try out type things. So mm. um, there's a couple of them. Lander, uh, was it e, E-Mastering or something was the other one. But I'll actually put some of those, we'll put some of those in the show notes and mm. uh, make those available for you. Wow. You know, that's interesting you bring that up because when I see that, I admit, I think I'm a sound snob. <laughs> I'm a sound engineer snob, meaning I'm like, is that really going? Is that really going to sound all right? Is that really going to be at the frequency and the level where they could put that on FM AM if they need to? You know, like I always, I always, I, I'm sorry, I get a little leery. But you've tried some of the services. Oh, I haven't. No, well, well, I'm, I mix and master my own stuff, so I mean, I, I won't be necessarily trying them myself <laughs> but for some people who might need that on a on a budget you know with, with their recording yeah, project i'm yeah. sure that they're they're good enough to maybe for simple projects you know it's yeah. something that's not complex but um i'm i'm dealing with you know trailer music you know all these other things that are very complex and you can't just like put an algorithm on it so yeah you know, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's just me being like I said, I think a snob because I think you're right. I think you're right if you have a simpler situation. But but sp- <laughs> speaking of doing exactly. everything yourself and being quite genius at it, our guest, <laughs> our guest today, I think, you know, I said, I was thinking if I did this intro, I'm like, okay, we don't do like elaborate read their bios and stuff. We let them kind of tell their own story of who they are and stuff. But I, 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 I'm really excited to have this guest, um, particularly this, this is June we're black music month. So I think that this is really nice timing, um, to celebrate 
those artists who contribute to black music. And I, I would like, I, I think that this guest has done something quite pivotal in the whole independent soul R and B um, space. And we've had, you know, we had Zoe, we've had Cy Smith, you know, some people who definitely are also kind of pioneers in this. Um, but I think this guest definitely is one of, he's, he's in that top, um, <laughs> not the top, but he's in that top of five, three or something that's really, you know, soldiered the movement of being an independent artist. And so we would like to welcome Eric Roberson, how are hey. you? I am great. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm so great. Ah, uh, awesome. 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 It's so good to have you. And, you know, it's so funny when we do these podcast interviews with other guests, your name comes up all the time. Like people, you know, mm-hmm. they reference you. Well, you know, when like, like Eric, what Eric does and like Eric, and it's like, yup. Guess what? We're going to bring him in and let him talk for himself. I'm down to share as much as I can. Uh, wonderful. Well, if you could just start, just in case we have some people who do not know who you are, if you could share you know, with the audience you know, how, you, how you describe yourself, who you are as an artist. And I know you've had a nice, windy journey to this, but if you could just give us some background and what really kind of brought you you know, to where you are. Well, you know, I, I went to Howard University as well, like you, Kenya, and um, learned, yeah. you know, pretty much hustling 101, uh, <laughs> you know, from that time. And I, I probably didn't really understand what I was doing. I was fortunate mm-hmm. uh, to actually get a record deal my sophomore year with Warner Brothers uh, and had just some some quick, short-lived, immediate success. Um, but what that did was it, it, it strengthened my hunger to really understand and I, and it really was about the survival of, of, of being in the business. I knew I wanted mm-hmm. to do music. I just didn't know what exactly I wanted to do. And from there, I got into songwriting for other people and singing background, whatever I could do to stay close to music. Um, mm-hmm. had a great career as a songwriter for, for many years, uh, writing for, you know, for everybody and their mama really, you know, and, and, <laughs> And then it got to a point where just I just had too many songs that were uh, probably too personal to sell, and mm-hmm. I said, you know, at this point, let's. I, I think I think one thing about it, being a songwriter or being behind the scenes, I can't tell you how many albums I worked on that didn't come out, or how, or just even albums that I, you know, being friends with A and R's and presidents of labels, you would hear projects all the time. And you'd be like, wow, this is going to change the world when this comes out. And and, and it just never came out. And I just didn't want to be part of that lost music. So for me, a lot of it was like, let me just let me just get rid of this music. Or let me just let me just share it before (laughs) it's just stuck here, you know, in my studio and no one ever hears it. I don't want to be that person that's left with 400 songs just sitting in my catalog that I just wasn't willing to sell or nor willing to put out. And mm-hmm. and and it, it gained a fan base. I was very fortunate, and they and the fans challenged me to take it serious, to to mm-hmm. really start a label and really, you know, treat it like a business. Because I was just going to put an album out and then just go back to songwriting. This is year two thousand. Mm. Um, really, and, nineteen years ago. Yeah, That's 19, crazy. Nineteen years ago, and and it was crazy because my my friends, my my friends, the A and R's, the presidents of labels, my friends who were signed and. 
and selling millions of records. You know, everybody, you know, everyone was looking at me like I was crazy because it just it wasn't really <laughs> the norm. Mind you, there were yeah. plenty of people putting out independent records. I remember Kim and Dwelle mm-hmm. and even uh, Lettucey. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember finding their albums, these independent records that were at mm-hmm. these mom and pop stores like Move Music and places. But what would happen was they would, you know, after you sell a certain amount of records, the labels usually would call. And then those people would move on to record deals and 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 such. But for me, I I knew all the NRs, I knew all the presidents, and they knew me as mm. Eric Robertson, the songwriter. So they, I think, whether I wanted a record deal or not, they believed I didn't want a record deal. So mm. so it's more like, what happens if I just keep doing this? What happens if I just stay independent? And the more we did it, the more we got better at it, the more we understood, the more chances we took. And before you know, we were, we were a full-fledged label in a, in a business, and uh, and, it, and it was a new course for me. Like you know that mm. that um, struggling songwriter, you know, fighting to to maintain became now mm-hmm. a consistent touring. You know, uh, have a staff of people, a consistent band, and <laughs> and uh, you know, it just it just changed wow. everything. So it was uh, it was great because you know, I, as a songwriter, you have like really big years followed mm-hmm. by really quiet years or really big months followed by mm-hmm. really quiet months and mm-hmm. um and it's just inconsistent so no matter how much money you would have you i was living broke no matter what i might have more mm-hmm. money than all my friends but i didn't know when the next check was coming because every time you left mm-hmm. the studio you're unemployed and you're, you're you're working to get the next thing so for me it was like mm-hmm. I, you know i was always about that hustle and and fortunate enough, it worked into a great career. You know, I, I tour all around the world nonstop pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, and we're on album number wow. 15 now, you know. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah, fi- really? 15 and 19, oh 15 and 19 years. Is cra- That's is crazy. crazy. Yeah, as That's well, crazy. As, as well as still writing and producing for for other people as well. So, we, you know, it's, it's, it's very fortunate. I've been, I've been very, very fortunate to, to, one, like I said, do what I love. And, and understand what understand what exactly I wanted to do, you know. Yeah. That that was very very yeah. important. Once I figured that part out, you're able to cut away, cut away from all the the extra drama and just kind of work on your your true passion and purpose. Mm. You know. Ooh, wow. Well, yeah. he said a lot of stuff. Will. Yo, there, this, there's, this there's is our problem, Eric. We, <laughs> see, uh, we, we have we, artists. We, they they tell all us all the stuff and all the questions we had before. We like erase because we're like, oh. They said, yeah, there's so much. I, I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to formulate it because there's so much because I, cause I have some other things back in my brain because I remember you from back at Howard. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, back back in those days, it was just a whole different time. Um, yeah. And I didn't know you got you got to deal with Warner. Um, but I remember pretty much after I graduated, which is 1990, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, we, uh, I, I remember hearing, you know, hearing folks talking about your album and whatnot, and uh, it, it just got a huge buzz. And um, I, I guess maybe a couple years after that, I, I was at the show uh, at the Black Cat. I don't know yeah. if you remember that that yeah. spot. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, there was just um, you know, and there was just a, such such a great response. It was like you went from. Uh, it, it, it almost jumped out the gate. It was like, you know, uh, uh, people talk about overnight successes, but I think your your album in the underground and world was pretty much an overnight success. Uh, mm. There was 
once the buzz started, it was just like, you know, caught like wildfire. So um, I, I wanted to see what uh, what did you learn from working at Warner that that sort of helped you into to putting together your own projects? You know, the Warner thing was was different. I was so young, you know, that uh, I was just trying to hold on, you know, and, mm-hmm. I, and, 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 I, you know, and, and looking back, it was probably a blessing that that didn't work out. Because I, I right. wasn't I wasn't the artist, nor the writer, nor the singer, nor performer that I needed to be to really sustain something. I, I think mm-hmm. I had potential, um, and they you know and they, they brought me in because of that potential. And I was I was you know getting good at songwriting. I was you know, but I think um, going back to Howard University after failing, <laughs> like the best thing that ever happened in my life it was tough it was really tough it was really embarrassing it was really humbling but that's when I became a man that's when I understood a level of focus I think the person that I am today the person that you meet and speak to today comes from those humbling moments going back to Howard you know up to that point up to that point I probably thought that you know my singing and my talent could get me out of anything like the shortcuts mm-hmm. the shortcuts of my, I, I could sing over that and work that out you know um and really right, up to right. that point everything had worked i had a full scholarship to howard university i won talent shows you know i got a little attention mm-hmm. from the girls or whatever <laughs> and, 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 you know mm-hmm. and, and, and it's like once i realized because one thing we didn't I, I didn't say was you know right after warner brothers i got signed to island records literally right mm-hmm. after it and that was at mm-hmm. I, and that was at while i was at howard and as fast as I got signed, I got dropped. Almost as mm. as, fa- as fast as I signed. Um, Hiram Hicks took over uh, at uh, Island Records, huh. and he just cleaned house. He like fired all the A&Rs, dropped all the acts. Mm. And wow. I, I remember saying, you know, like, uh, hey, can you at least listen to the album? Because, <laughs> I mean, we, mind you, <laughs> we, you know, we worked on this album with Warner, and then we switched over, so we just kept all the work, you know. I said, well, can you yeah. listen to the album? Maybe, maybe if he listens to the album, maybe he says, you know what, maybe we're going to keep this guy. It didn't matter. He didn't even want to listen to the album. You know, it didn't, wow. he, 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 he had, his, he had his, his slew of rosters that he was bringing, uh, an artist that he was bringing in, and that's what he was concerned with, you know. So I, that was a lesson of, like, it's business. And it's crazy because I worked with Hiram yeah. later on down the road, and there was no harm feelings. It's like you know, I'm gonna get this money from one way, one way or the other. You know, yeah. um, so yeah. so yeah. you know. But I understand, and I watched it. I watched as a my lessons more came from my songwriting days and working with projects, working on Case's mm-hmm. album, working on Music Soul mm-hmm. Child's album. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, working on One Twelve. You know, those like. And just being a fly on the wall, sure, I worked with Jill, but I more watched Jill's album be made, you know? Like, it was right. an honor to watch that album. It was an honor to watch Music's right. album. Um, so mm-hmm. you, you, you learn those those situations, as well as, like, all the projects that you work on that didn't come out. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, the most, the most important part was this completion. I had a job that I had to complete, and I had to do the best I could, but I had to make sure it was completed. And that's the most important word in the music business. And I think anyone trying to succeed, they have to understand that word first, you know, Mm -hmm. and completion in every aspect 
that you can think of. First of all, nothing's ever done in completion, right? Like you always have something left to complete. <laughs> But that doesn't mean yeah. that you're going to strive for it. It's always striving to get better, mm-hmm. striving to tighten your business, stri- striving to keep your staff energized and energetic and focused. It's always something mm-hmm. that you have to complete. So I'm really good at completing a song. I'm not so good at completing other things, but but um, mm-hmm. completing an album, completing a song, I know, I know how to do that really, really, really well. And I work very hard to try to work on the other stuff. Mm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you just said something that I think um, well, you've said a lot, but two things that stood out for me and I'd love to hear you kind of um, expand a bit. You had said um, you weren't the artist you needed to be. And you talk about, you know, I could sing and I was, you know, you know, I thought I was, you know, fine with I could get over with my talent, but I realized I wasn't the artist I needed to be. And that I think the artists that listen to this podcast and that we coach and try to talk to and help trying to have them understand that that jump and, you know, from being able to have the talent to then being the actual artist. What is can you what does that mean when you said you need to you know, you weren't the artist you needed to be? What is the artist that people need to be? What's what's the need? Well, you find you find when you're doing something uh, that's your purpose or that you hear that you feel that's not compromised. Um I think those levels, like, first of all, you know, when I was 19 and on Warner Brothers, sure, I thought I was ready. Sure, I thought, oh, this is it. But, you know, those years at the Touch of Jazz, the, the years I spent in Atlanta working on other artists, um, you know, those times. And then also a big step was getting my own equipment. You know, I kind of always had my own equipment, but like really, really building my own studio and then like really, really finding myself. Um I think was the was the big turn for me, and I and I, I think going back to Howard days, going back after like losing the deals, I remember there was a big epiphany in songwriting for me, and that was and that was more of um everything that happens in my life has to become a song, like any message that God gave me, I'm going to turn into a song. My best days are going to become a song. But my worst days are going to become a song. And I didn't know that beforehand, you know. Um, so if I had an argument with my girl, that's a song. If I messed up, that's a song. If I did something I wasn't supposed to do or if I did something I'm very proud about, those were songs. And, and I was willing, like, there was no compromise whatsoever. Um and when you do that, you start finding your voice, you start finding, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very much like, you know, your music business is very much a marriage, even if it's a marriage to mm. yourself, right? And sure, you could get married right out of high school and, and go through it and figure it out. And a lot of people, it works for some people that way. And then, you know, they find out, they unfortunately get divorced later on because like, man, we got married way too early and we didn't know anything mm. we were doing. And now that I know myself, I know how I need to be a husband or need to be a wife or need to be a parent. And and that's just the same thing artist, artist-wise. Some people may be ready at 13 years old. You know, Michael Jackson was probably ready at nine years old. But some people, like Bill Withers, it took when he was in his 30s, mid-30s, till he really understood what he was trying to do. And, and then he was able to really perfect it. Um, so for me, it was just more, it was more understanding that I never was in control of it. I was always the passenger uh, in my journey, and but I was always trying to reach over and grab the steering wheel. And the moment I said, all right, God, I'm going to let, like, let it happen. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm going to let yep. it happen. I'm going I'm to let you allow me to be an artist was when I really found a comfort in my music, found a comfort yeah. in what I was trying to do. And even certain things made sense. You know, you write a really, really sad song with no, uh, with no happy ending. And you think like, oh man, maybe I should make this happy. But, but I can't tell you how many times I did that. And someone else who's hurting reaches out to me mm-hmm. and says, man, you've helped me to let me realize I'm not alone in this. You know, it's like mm-hmm. everything has a purpose. Everything has a reward in some form or fashion. And mm-hmm. I think for me now, I became an artist when I learned to trust that part. Mm-hmm. You know, trust yeah. trust the outcome of what's going to happen. It's out of my control, yeah. but I can trust it still. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's some, some serious lessons. I mean, that's and some people it takes a longer time than others to really reach those lessons or understand those lessons. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I, I totally feel that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, what we want to also for our listeners also just try to get to some detail on how you put your business together. So <laughs> you have a lot of moving parts in what you're doing, uh, especially at this point, because you've, you've been doing it for so long and you've, you've got such a catalog. But um, I guess we, we've talked about the, the personal growth journey and the musical journey. Um, talk to us a little bit about that business journey. Yeah, you know, the business journey has been great and a journey. <laughs> That's probably the best way to word it. You know, <laughs> if, I, if I even just talk about management, you know, um, right. if, I, if I bring a small, get a, try not to be long-winded, but like let's take the movie Mo' Better Blues, right? Okay. Uh, my favorite movie in the entire world. Spike Lee was <laughs> Spike Lee was um, was was Bleak, uh, the the lead guy, the saxophone player, uh, his mm-hmm. manager, right? Spike Lee's uh, name in that movie was Giant, and mm-hmm. I don't think his name was Giant because he was a small person in stature. I think mm-hmm. his name was Giant because this is a giant aspect of whether you win or lose. Yeah, and and if you yeah. look at bleak uh, struggles in success, a lot of it was based off of Giant not being able to negotiate the deals correctly and Giant running into financial problems. When, when, when bleak got his face busted open by his trumpet, who was he defending? He was defending Giant. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right, so right. I say that to say that, you know, management is a giant decision. It's a it's a mm. it's an important decision that you it can make or break your career. And I had mm. um, I had every aspect of of managers. I had the huge Hollywood manager that you couldn't get in touch with. I had the the <laughs> best friend manager who would give their left arm, but we out here struggling together trying to make it work. Yeah. You know, I've had every aspect, and and each one is right for you in some form or fashion. Um, it mm. got to it got to a point. For me, when as an independent artist, when I started managing myself more because one, I had to figure that out and I didn't want to waste a manager's time. Um, <laughs> and at the same time, there was no money to be shared because <laughs> we weren't making money. We, right. we, we were literally like just throwing money out the window trying to trying to figure out how to make this work. And, yeah. and it made more sense that at this point I've, I've watched managers so much that I could probably be a manager if I wasn't writing songs. So it's better mm. more to have assistants who worked in certain categories. So, mm. 
you know, for me now, um, it's a six-person staff now of my team. Um, my dad, who's pretty much my business partner, when he retired from work, he took over shipping because mm-hmm. I, I would I would spend half the day at the post office just mailing out CDs that, that were sold. <laughs> and a big moment was when my dad, just understanding delegation, my dad mm-hmm. retired and he came to the studio one time and he said, well, what you doing? I said, man, I'm, I, I got to finish this song up real quick so I can... I can go because I would I would record all night. I remember I would like go to the gym in the morning and then I would record to about three o'clock, and then from three to five I'll pretty much be packing CDs and then bringing them to the post office like from three to five every day. Wow. And my dad said, "You wow. want me, you want me to do that? I could I could pack this up and and also you know somebody <laughs> would email you. I didn't get my CD or you know this that. So then you yeah. got to track back mm-hmm. or who who sold what and where it was at and repack that. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And that just re- relieved a lot of weight um, from me. Um, and the same thing was we started booking shows. You would have a company that would try to book you in Houston for a thousand seat venue. And it's like, okay, first of all, I've never even been to Houston, and I'm only doing, <laughs> I'm only doing like a hundred people a room. So like, why would I take this right. thousand seat? So right. I- immediately we had to start doing our own booking because. There wasn't a booking agency that understood what we were doing. No one did this before. Like, oh, right, Eric, right. thank you so much for saying this. Oh my, I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt yeah, you. I'm no, gonna let you no, keep going. No, no. This is really, it's really all, important. It's all, because a lot of artists think I'm supposed to hit the thousand. I got to get the thousand. And I'm like, no, you don't have to do that. No. You can do a lot of a hundred rooms. You can do a lot, and that adds up. And it, yeah. and, and, it, and it builds. I tell you, like my first show in DC was at Bohemian Cavern, and it maybe was thirty to fifty people. Mm-hmm. You know, my first mm-hmm. show in Atlanta was Apache Apache Cafe. Maybe hold, yeah. may, might hold a hundred people. Maybe, maybe yeah. seventy-five people at most. And now we do a mm-hmm. thousand people in DC. We do a thousand people in in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and sometimes more. And it's like you have to realize that it's growth. And we got to that number not because we had a label putting you know a hundred thousand dollars behind radio. We got there because after every show, we're there with our sign our CDs, we're shaking hands, we're taking mm-hmm. pictures. We've been doing that mm-hmm. for the last 20 years. So mm-hmm. so then when wow. you come back, not only do I remember you, not only because I had a conversation with you, I thanked you for buying an album. We took a picture. Mm-hmm. You brought your friends. <laughs> now your yeah. friends are part of the cycle. We earned that fan. Now that fan brings back people. We earned the next fan. And, I, and I'm, I'm, right. I'm grateful for the opportunity to earn my fan base. You know, yeah. so. And, yeah. and, and, and still to this day, we'll, we'll do London. We're doing it. We're doing it later this year. We'll do London, mm-hmm. and we'll do a thousand people at London. And the very, very next day, we'll go to, uh, you know, uh, Birmingham or, or, or Cardiff, mm-hmm. and it'll be a hundred and fifty mm-hmm. people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, and the band is like, "Why are we not just right. doing a thousand seat venues?" It's like, no, because at one point London was a hundred people too. You know, like, yeah. you know, right. and a crowd, yeah. a crowd is a crowd, man. I'm gonna rock out whether it's five people or it's five thousand people. It's it's the same show. Right. It's the same show. Yeah. But yeah, but you know, we had to. We became our own booking staff, not because we wanted to, but we had to figure it out we had to figure that out mm. and that was a lot of times you know going into a city uh i remember columbus ohio case in point um you know uh there was a, there was a brother named zoe uh, and and wally these guys helped me build columbus ohio and they had a, they had a event that that pretty much always had 150 people there all the time and I said, well, can I come play your venue? Can I come play your spot? And if, if I do well, next time, let's negotiate something. 
Not okay. not not like oh you gotta pay me something before I come there. No, right, I, no right. I didn't I didn't have gotcha. to draw there. I didn't have radio. I didn't. Yeah. No one knew who I was. I had to earn that that yeah. stage. And yeah. we did that in Detroit. We did that in Chicago. We did it in Atlanta. We did it. In yeah. Oak. We did it every single place. And and we grew it. We grew it from the ground up. So you know, mm. a booking agent wasn't going to be willing to go through that. So mm. the six person staff we have now, we have two people to handle the booking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have we have a graphic uh, person who's just straight focused on just helping me with graphics, uh, artwork mm-hmm. for albums, artwork for social media. Um, mm. And then we have uh, uh, Sweet Locks. We call her name is Tiffany. We all call Sweet Locks. She's technically like the publicist, <laughs> so she's the she's the mover and shaker. Like she's the one rolling her sleeves up, getting the hands dirty. And then we have Jarrell, yeah. who's my former manager, and he's he's the thinker. He's the out the box. You know, mm. I, you know, he's the one that's sitting down. We're, we're talking hours at a time over marketing plans and, and business strategies. So we're just constantly, mm. you know, sewing into each other to, to figure to figure that out. So, you know, it, it, it works, mm. you know, it works. But um, I, I tell you, my wow. main my main job with that, my main job as a company and the company is to keep them motivated. That's, mm-hmm. my, that's my number one mm-hmm. job. My number one that's job. If, yeah. I, if I get locked away in the studio for a month, everything stops. Everything yeah. stops. So I got to make yeah. sure that I keep my hand on that dial. They see me rolling my sleeves up. We have to keep that conversation going, even while I'm working on music or working on albums, so that conversation can keep going. You know, mm-hmm. um, Because also, you mm-hmm. think that everybody in my staff, they also have their companies. They also have their projects. And the moment, I, the moment I'm not asking questions, not you know, instigating thoughts and, and provoking ideas, they're going to work on their own projects. And that's, that's a given. Yeah. And, and I'm supporting yeah. their own projects too, but I got to make sure that my stuff gets done and make sure you get your stuff done too. So, um, mm. it's, it's important to keep everything motivated, but, um, I have, I have an uncle who is enormously successful and I, I'm so appreciative for all the advice that he has given me through the, mm. through the years. And the one thing he's always said is, is, uh, organized growth. And, mm. you know, and he's like, you know, you, you see companies that fold because they try to build too fast. And I think, yeah. you know, as I pace myself, that's one reason why we never really have overspent on an album or on a tour. And we've allowed it to grow. We've watched it grow. But at the same time, even when we say 10 years ago, when we were nominated for two Grammys and stuff like that, I didn't go, oh, from this point on, we got to do this and got to do No, it's like, OK, <laughs> maintain the same pace. Just because we got nominated for Grammys does not change everything. It's not going to change the asking price for the shows. We got to we got to gradually build that up. It's not going to change the attendance. We got to gradually build that up, and we've gradually built it, and we're still building. You know, and that's the beautiful thing about it. Mm. Wow, yeah, that's that's a lot. That's yeah, that's that's <laughs> but that's like so uh, gold. <laughs> that's I'm so gold. glad you're. I'm so glad you're like breaking this all apart because I think these nuances. A lot of people make a lot of assumptions that. You know, things are just, oh, yeah, he's got a book in person or, yeah, you know, he's just so big now he can go anywhere and not really understanding that, you know, no, there's a pace to this. There was a, you know, there's a hustle to this that still remains 19 years, you know, later. Um, It's different. And, yeah, I would imagine, you know, it's it's, it's a different hustle, um, which is what's going to bring me to my next kind of question to you, because music, you know, for the past 19 years, music consumption how people consume music meaning streaming versus downloading versus cds you know all of that has shifted so much and i'm curious to know now now that you are almost 20 years into this 
um, <laughs> and the industry being different, how people, you know, access music and stuff. How, uh, what's the, how do I want to say this question? Cause it's kind of two parts. W- one, what are your thoughts about kind of how the industry has shifted and has that really impacted you in a way I don't know for the positive or negative. How how has it impacted what you do? But you know the funny thing is, it's impacted the overall industry tremendously. It hasn't necessarily mm-hmm. impacted me. It's really the industry only came to where we already were. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I never mm-hmm. had radio support. I never had you know tour support, um, and uh, so the so. You know, really, not just labels disbanded, but black music as a whole, and from a label standpoint, has disbanded for the most part. Yeah, and it's really, yeah. it's really a young hip hop pop demographic now. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's very, that's very unfortunate. I remember, you know, I remember back in the day that if, if like, say, Warner Brothers was getting rid of their black music department, like the NAACP would like. Were like protested or something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like we wouldn't stand for that. Right. What do you mean you don't have a black department right. now? You know, now it's like it, it, it's all gone now. You know, yeah, um, yeah. But but I would say that um, you know it has changed, and I watched. I mean, you know, I remember the the social media push. I remember when uh, physical CDs were still the majority, and then streaming or or say online sales was picking up. I remember when online sales took over, then online declined mm-hmm. to streaming. Um, so you mm-hmm. have to be ahead of the curve and understand what what marketing plan you put together two years ago is not going to work this time. What the marketing plan you no. put together last yeah. year is not going to work. I remember a time when EPs wouldn't work. Now it's probably the smarter mm. way to go right now, you know. And that, yep. and, that, and that may change. Yep. Technically, may change literally in six months from now. I'm, the answer may be something totally different. So yeah. you know, I, I would say that. Um, we haven't had to change much. We just had to understand. But what I would tell mm-hmm. you in, in streaming, the misconception that we had to realize is, one, we think that the music business is failing. And the music business technically, no, no. Music business is technically <laughs> making more money than they've ever yep. made. Yep. Ever right. made. Yep. Ever. Yep. Ever, ever, yeah. ever. You know, the, yeah. the, the problem is the categories that we excel in are the, mm-hmm. the the least supported and listened to in yep. streaming you know soul music yep. jazz music yep. um mm-hmm. uh smooth jazz anything of that the neo soul whatever all that aspect mm-hmm. is is like the smallest percentages of mm-hmm. of streaming so let's so then, so let's talk about the, the problem so that so for me it's not necessarily that we have a problem in how the music is being done it's just a technology shift now and it just is what it is the same way cds took over one point from eight tracks and cassettes and cds you know uh, what would we now have streaming yeah the problem we have is that our demographic for some reason they don't stream they don't they don't stream so so what do we do do we need to come up with a new stream no what we need to do is we need to go through a campaign to get mm. our fans to realize you how see. to listen yeah. to music. You, the best thing yeah. everybody can do is go up to their dad right now and take their dad's phone and put Spotify or Pandora <laughs> or Apple Music or Tidal on their phone and say, Dad, type in Bill Withers. Dad, type in John Coltrane. Who's your favorite? You like yeah. the Beatles, Dad? Yeah. Type in the Beatles. Guess what, Dad? The entire catalog is in your phone if you want to listen to it. Yeah. And, yeah. and your dad is going to lose 
his mind his when mind. he realized. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm so, this is so funny because I just last night was talking to one of my producers who's done some stuff with me and he does production of pop and hip hop and country. I mean, he does a lot and he's like, Kenya, there's so much ridiculous money going on right now in these genres of music. Like, he's like, I'm barely using my skills, but these artists in country and pop, I mean, they're just getting streamed. They're making $300,000 a month, like just craziness. Yeah. And I'm like, but what about us who are doing, you know, soul and jazz? And he's like, I don't know. I, you know, and, and we were both sitting there like, so neither one of us said, though, get your dad's phone. <laughs> get, to, get to the people and get them to start streaming. But you're right. I, yeah. I, I used to tell everybody at, well, as, when we were independent artists, I said, you should never go in a barbershop and have to ever pay for your haircut again. Every time you walk mm. in a barbershop, you need to sell three CDs every time you walk in the barbershop. <laughs> and it's almost the same way. Every time you go in a restaurant, you should never have to pay for a meal ever again. Because when you walk in that mm. room, there's a hundred people in there. Now, mind you, you don't necessarily walk in and, you know, red lobsters and you pawning your <laughs> CDs. Over. But, but you, get, you get the point of what I'm saying, though. Every opportunity you walk yeah. into, there's an opportunity to sell your product. We just have now yeah. have to change our mind, change our mentality now. Is that every time you walk into the barbershop and there's 30 guys in there getting their hair cut, best believe 25 of them have no idea how to listen to music today yeah i I guarantee you and you know how we do i'm just keeping it 100 we don't want people to know that we don't know something (laughs) and that's the Mm -hmm. main problem that's the main main problem and you was crazy how many how many guys at that barbershop got title in there just because because jay-z got it but never signed in Uh, and never ever tried it never never figured out how to really really listen to music they might have spotify they might have pandora they're paying monthly Mm -hmm. for it they're just not listening to us you know Mm -hmm. and and, and mind you just keeping it 100 you know today is, is tough because every technology shift that's happened in the past has supported music so mm-hmm. mini discs or or CDs or iPhone or iPod only made you want to listen to music. This technology shift now only adds to the competition of what you listen to. Yeah. We now yeah. are not competing with each other. We're competing with Instagram and Snapchat and Candy Crush mm-hmm. and, and, and mm-hmm. Angry Bird. That's what that's what we're competing with, you know. Yeah, so, so, yeah. And, and Netflix. So it's not just that we're, we're we're trying to get people to listen to us. We're trying to get people to turn off something else to listen to us. Mm. So it's so it's a much more uphill battle. But that's where the mm-hmm. campaign is at. Every show you do, you should stop just for a quick second and say, everybody, take your phone out. And not say, go to my website and buy my CD. No, go to Spotify. Mm-mm. Go to go Pandora. To Spotify. <laughs> type my name in. Yes. Or type yes. Anthony well, Hamilton I, I, in. Type Raheem Devine. Type, you know, whoever in. Because yeah. that's only going to benefit all of us as a whole. Yeah. So, so let me add a little bit to this. Uh, well, first thing is uh, you can play... Uh, your tunes by li- while playing your video games. So right. a lot of these smartphones have those capabilities. Now you can play two apps at once. But right. the, o- the other piece, like, like you know, you can use Waze and, uh, and Google Maps while you listen to your thing. But uh, the other thing is, um, and some of my, my, one of my students hit me to this, the whole lo-fi thing. All it is, I don't know if you ever heard this stuff, but this, this lo-fi music, lo-fi beats, whatever, all it is is just neo soul with with just the uh, the high frequency cutoff. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's that's that's like the stuff that's happening now because of the uh, the Spider Verse, the Spider Man thing that came out, the cartoon. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. There's this uh, the Post Malone track that was on there. Uh, people are really listening to like neo soul, and mm-hmm. but they don't know mm-hmm. that it's neo soul, and they're calling it something right. else. 
Right. Completely. Yeah, my son is like that. My 16-year-old, he'll say, Mom, oh, I think I have some, I, I got this station on Spotify, I think that, or on YouTube that I yeah, think so you YouTube would like. And he starts like playing it. Right. And I'm yep. like, that's, that's what, that's such a, I'm like, I listen to that all the time. And I'm like, no, he, that's not new, sweetheart. But he listened to it over and over. But if I go and then put somebody singing over it, because it's usually just a beat or, yeah, you it's know, usually instrumental stuff. Yeah. Right. And so you put somebody singing over it, he thinks, oh no, that's something else. I'm like, no, sweetheart, they're really the same. But, I really am so glad that you said this about the streaming because I actually, when we come back in the fall, I really want us to dig more into this. And so, you know, again, divine timing of you saying what you said, because I'm like, we've got to start getting artists and consumers to better understand the consumption of how music is happening now um, and and how we target and build our super fans and get them to, to you know, to click over to that. Right. So that is really, really perfect timing (laughs) and so you know i that's i yeah yeah yep yeah for sure for sure well uh, Uh, we've reached our our time i know i said i'm looking at our little clock lord lord (laughs) well eric i want to just before we hop off if you you know you're always like you said you're you know you and prince you know making 20 songs a day i i don't know if there's (laughs) a new i mean i still yes i still talk about prince as in the present tense i'm sorry yes i'm that girl in denial that has it it quite Mm -hmm. i'm like (laughs) i'm like no prince is still making music guys he's still making anyway but um if there's anything new that you're working on or anything you'd like to share you know if you could just you know i know you're always working on stuff Stuff, but would love for you to share that um, your social media I mean we all know what it is but if you can share that as well sure sure well you know the, the one thing I'm really working on right now and I'm, I'm super excited about is we have a thing called the process and what that is it's a patreon mm-hmm. page if you are familiar with patreon and it's a subscription mm-hmm. it's a, you know first of all we're in a subscription world and what I have yeah. is I have um, a group of people that subscribe to follow me in the studio and what that is mm-hmm. is that every song I create they get a copy of as fast as I create it, no matter what I'm producing for somebody else or I'm working on my album or whatever. Um, And it's crazy. My last two albums have been done with this process group. Uh, mm. So they, they've A&R'd it. Matter of fact, we, we did an album this year and we haven't released it publicly because we did it privately for that group. Um, and, mm. it's, and it's a great, mm. great album. We'll release it later on this year, if not early next year. But um, but it's been great to kind of have a group of people and you get a chance to understand what works as you're doing. Yeah. It. I mean, and that's, yeah. that's probably been the blessing for me. But if you are interested in joining that, you can you just go to uh, Patreon dot com slash Eric Roberson or you can go to my website, Eric Roberson music dot com and just click join the process. Um, but then the social nice. media is um, uh, is uh, foolishly. I'm one of those people who have a different name for every social media spot which is like the worst business decision you could ever make don't follow me in that aspect but um but on, on twitter i'm i am eric roberson on instagram it's arrow 44 which is e-r-r-o uh 44 uh facebook i want to say is my label is uh facebook.com slash blue arrow soul so it's just like that's just that's just dumb don't do that don't follow me in that way you know um but yes, yeah, you know, but I, I think the most exciting yeah. thing we're doing right now is is uh is the process, man. It's it's a it's a great yeah. it's a it's a, it's a fun a really fun thing. And I think it's it's, it's another thing we're changing where in a day now where you know no one's reading credits and no one knows who worked on what or who wrote what. Why don't yeah. we sh- mm. why don't we show everything? 
Why don't we just show you yep. how, how it's so, made? So, Eric, are you, are you open to people? Because like, now you know now that you say that a bunch of people are going to be opening up their Patreons, you know, the process Kenya style. You know, I mean, like you in sharing that. I'm thank you for sharing that because I've been also telling people. I've been telling Will we got to do Patreon. Like Patreon mm-hmm. is really, mm-hmm. you know, a space where you can have your own community. Yeah. And you don't even have to be trying to feed the masses. You just keep building your community and you feed them. Well, so I, I tell you one thing, and, and, and maybe it's just the hustle in me, but it's also the understanding through it. I I, I, I share that, and I hope everyone does it. One because we're all yeah. in a, we're all in a, a subscription business anyway. People are already, you know, mm-hmm. subscribing to title, already subscribing to whatever. And if somebody comes mm-hmm. on with a better and more improved way, Merry Christmas! I, I should have come up with that myself. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah. I look at it that. Your success is only going to make me more successful. Like we got, mm-hmm. we, we have to do realize we have to realize that as a company, as a group, as a genre that we're doing, you know, it's mm-hmm. not just about my success. It's about the betterment of music. It's betterment of soul yeah. music. Better, yeah. you know. So, yeah. you know, from every aspect, from you know, I, I always talk about like P.J. Morton getting nominated for a Grammy as an independent artist. I mean, I'm sorry, winning, yeah. winning a Grammy yeah. as an independent artist yeah. is here. You gotta celebrate yeah. that. We want a yeah, Grammy. You know sure. what I mean? Um, yeah, you know, for so sure. it's not a point where we're in competition. Sure, we're in competition. And if you come out with a great album, that's only going to inspire me to make a, a, a great album as well. Yeah. You do a great show. Yep. I I want the opening act to make me have a hard time. Because best believe yeah. if, I'm open, if, if I'm opening for you, I'm going to make sure you got to bring your A game because I'm coming. You know, right. I'm coming. So, so, so right. that's, where, that's where we should be at. It shouldn't be that I'm threatened by who's opening for me or threatened by what somebody's mm-hmm. putting out as their company. We all have different strategies, all different whatever. But that's, yo, we, we are built for this. We are battle tested. So, like, just make it work. Yeah. Make it yeah, work. Make mm-hmm. it work. Yeah. That's beautiful. Uh, outstanding. Outstanding. And Perfect. definitely what you said, the more you're successful, the more others are because then people start realizing there's this whole field of other artists of this same space. So yep. if, if you know, by building like that, you're building community and, and that's how it that's how it grows. So thank you so much. This was this was yes, outstanding. Thank you, man. We appreciate I really it so much. All right, we will see you all at the end of the summer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. Please leave us a comment on our page. If you would like to contact us about a specific topic, you can email us at info at creatingcrimson.com or drwsmith at makingmoneyinthemusicbizbiz.com. If you would like to schedule a consultation session, With Creating Crimson, you can fill out the contact form at the bottom of the website at creatingcrimson.com. If you would like registration services for your music project, you can visit makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com and go to the registration services page. Please fill out the contact form and we will get back with you promptly. If you are interested in advertising on our podcast, please send us an email at drwsmith at makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com.